0: I'm Jen Taylor Skinner and this is the Electorate. On this episode, I have a conversation with activist, organizer, and chief Executive officer of New Georgia project, Insei Ufot. And I have to tell you I've wanted to have a conversation with INSEI for years. INSEI's work alongside the team at New Georgia Project and the work of the organizers on the ground have transformed the political landscape of Georgia. Nse and I talk about all things political as it relates to Georgia, including the upcoming gubernatorial rematch between Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp. We also talk about the Senate races between Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. And of course, we discuss the state of voter suppression in Georgia. So this is an episode that you don't want to miss. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Nse Ufot of New Georgia Project. Nse Ufot, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So, you know, the Georgia primaries, they just ended probably one of the most not probably the most watched primary in the country was probably that gubernatorial race. And now Brian Kemp won the Republican primary. So that means he's going to compete again against, you know, Stacey Abrams. And, you know, and I was just telling somebody that if you thought that Stacey Abrams was good then during the first round, and I did, like she was really good then, like now she's a force. Listen,
1: I stand in awe and I got a backstage pass in some regards, right? Like the wall has gone up and like she's not involved in the day-to-day of the New Georgia project anymore, but to have a front row seat to see the sort of power, the magnitude, she is indefatigable. (laughs) I have known that word since I was preparing for the SATs. Back in the 90s, (laughs) and she is that she is. If I had known who she was, she would have been the dictionary picture of indefatigable. Like, she will not stop. Like, there's a clarity about the vision that she has for herself and the vision that she has for Georgia that makes you want to believe because you can see it too.
0: You can see it and you can feel it. And if I were Brian Kemp, I'd be scared. Well, he is scared, right?
1: Man, listen, on his election night acceptance speech, when he should have been talking about like why he's awesome or whatever, uh, <laughs> it was like, and we're not done. Y'all need to join me and make sure that uh, Stacey Abrams doesn't become the next governor of Georgia or the next president of the United States. And he said it with his chest. And I was like, <laughs> oh, so... You get it, too. You see it, too. He sees it. he saw it the
0: first time around. And you know what? His shield, you know, it is voter suppression. That's the only shield he has. And his sword. Exactly. So, you know, what else should we know about that landscape or just the race or these candidates and the landscape that's changed since that first time around? What should we know?
1: Here's what you need to know is that there have been a million more voters added to the voter rolls since then. What you need to know is that despite the fact that at the time, Brian Kemp was the secretary of state of Georgia and he was the chief elections sort of officer for the state of Georgia in 2018, who refused to step down. So he was responsible for ensuring the integrity of the elections at the same time that he was a candidate at the top of the ticket, that he only won the election by a margin of 54,000 votes. And that was at the time historic because for over 10 election cycles before that, the successful Republican was beating the losing Democrat by an average of two to three hundred thousand votes consistently from, you know, McCain beating Obama in Georgia, Romney beating Obama in Georgia, Governor Deal beating uh, the Democratic candidate for governor. Again, the 250,000 votes was an average. And Stacey cut that margin down to just over 50,000 votes in 2018. And then we got to 2020, right? And then the difference between President Biden's victory and the disgraced former president of the United States, Donald Trump, was just under 12,000 votes. So it was a reversal, and it was 0. 0.00015 percentage point. And then on Tuesday's primary election, Tuesday, May 24th, we saw a historic level of turnout, despite their racist anti-voting voter suppression bill that they passed in 2021, historic level. And here's the underreported story that I hope gets picked up and people start to really interrogate. And that is the fact that Black voters and progressive voters dragged Brad Raffensperger across the finish line and helped him avoid a runoff, that there were tens of thousands of Abrams voters, reliable damn voters, that switched and pulled a Republican ballot during the primaries because Stacey was safe, Warnock was safe for the primaries. And so Jody Heiss represented an existential threat. It represented a reintroduction of Donald Trump into Georgia's political business, which nobody wants on either side. Right. (laughs) And so we saw, again, tens of thousands of Abrams voters pull Republican ballots during the primary and dragged Raffensperger across the finish line. (laughs) And I think that, again, that is also why they are afraid. The RNC, the next day, intervened in one of the lawsuits that we have against the state of Georgia, against Senate Bill 202. So they see it. They see the level of organizing. They see the determination. They see that they are throwing everything they can at Georgia voters, at the folks who believe in this multiracial democracy that we are headed towards, and it's not working. It's annoying. It's frustrating, right? It's illegal. It's unpatriotic. It's racist. It's sexist. It's classist, And it also
0: won't work. When Stacey Abrams becomes governor, how will she transform the state? Like, how are Georgians living now? And how do you think they'll live under a Stacey Abrams, Georgia?
1: So America, right, hasn't had a raise in 12 years. The federal minimum wage is $7.25. The minimum wage in Georgia is $5.15, and it's below the federal minimum wage, and it's been that way for longer. Georgians, like, there's no way for you to take care of yourself, let alone a family on such depressed wages, right? So, And the Republicans in the legislature are not ashamed of it. They're not embarrassed by it at all. And so I think that a Governor Abrams understands there's not a lot of daylight, if any, between the people of Georgia and her leadership and the like policy solutions that she is offering that will improve the lives of Georgians. And I mean, 515, we are a few days away from gas being more than 515 an hour. And so we are headed into a time where a gallon of gas is more expensive than the minimum wage in our state. And again, our current governor is not embarrassed by that. I think the other difference is that like she is an accountable leader and she's brilliant and that she part of her brilliance is bringing together a team of experts to think about like how to do the most good for the most amount of people. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. Our current governor would get on television and lie. Lie about what he knew. Lie about when he knew it. It's disgusting. People are dying. And here's what makes it even more egregious, that Georgians know that he's the only governor in the entire country that lives and works within five miles of the CDC. You can see (laughs) the CDC from your backyard, bro. (laughs) Like, why are you lying about COVID? It's disgusting. It's disgusting. You should be ashamed of yourself. And again, you won't get that, I think, from a Governor Abrams. I think that, you know, hell, there are 12 hospitals in rural Georgia that have closed or that are about to close. And so people are still having babies. People are still fighting COVID. People are still beating cancer. Right. And like hospitals are closing in most communities that they're in, hospitals tend to be one of the largest employers. But because of Republicans' refusal to expand the Affordable Care Act, and to be clear, the Affordable Care Act, I know that folks like have thought it's been over a decade. The federal government is offering to pay for 90%, 90% of what it costs to provide your citizens in your state healthcare. They're just asking the state to come up with the last 10%, and Republicans in Georgia refuse. They would let us die, die, than give an inch on their political agenda. Those key ways, I mean, I, I have a list if you have time, but those feel like big, easy, clear, sharp,
0: bright distinctions
1: between an Abrams Georgia and a Kemp-led
0: Georgia. That's a lot. That's enough. I mean, you know, I mean just the, the the last thing you mentioned about the ACA, the biggest thing is they don't have a replacement for it. Like regardless of whatever your issues are with the ACA and whether it doesn't go far enough for you, theirs really don't go far enough for you. Cause there's nothing there. They're like, no. And then the Republicans and the Congress, they voted like what? Over 50 times.
1: Over 50 votes to get rid of Obamacare or to get rid of the ACA
0: with nothing
1: to replace it how how
0: how <laughs> yeah in the minimum wage i don't think that people understand even if you understand that it's low i don't think they understand that there are people trying to raise families on that right like i made that when i was a in high school at mcdonald's you know that's what they try to tell you republicans try to tell you that's what it's for but that's not it
1: no it's so funny because the people who are working in fast food and in retail are getting older and older. And like, yeah, no, not at all. People are trying to raise families on these poverty wages and we need to do something about it. So like you, how dare you open your mouth, talk to us about inflation, right? You don't think that we know that bread is $6 a loaf and gas is about to be $6 a gallon? If nobody understands inflation more than the working poor.
0: I want to talk about the Senate for a bit, just move on from the gubernatorial race and talk about the Senate. First of all, can we just go back to 2020? Because that time was really, really memorable for me, or 2021, actually, not 2020, those runoff races in the Senate in Georgia, because I haven't felt that sense of electricity like I did in a long time when Warnock won his race and Ossoff won his race in those runoffs probably since Obama. Like, I don't know why there was so much electricity around those two races. I mean, I guess I know practically why. But, you know, what was it like on the ground? I mean,
1: it was an electrifying time. It was exhausting. But, you know, watching people's eyes light up and people get it and people understand what we've been talking about, we've been talking about organizing, it was really magical. Listen, in the nine weeks between the November twenty general and the January runoffs, $1 billion with a B was raised and spent. These are the most expensive congressional races in the history of American politics. And it was ultimately people power that still won, that these armchair political scientists loved, loved to tell us that A runoff electorate favors older, whiter, and more conservative voters. And so, like, Republicans definitely have an advantage in this election. And there's, and like, they may be able to get one, but two in Georgia? Never, right? And we proved them wrong. It was amazing. I mean, I think the, because we were in the middle of a pandemic, There were travel restrictions. Like we would tell people like that we didn't necessarily need celebrities like pulling up and all coming down to Georgia to like do events, et cetera. And so there was like a targeted and an intentional way that we ran our programs and it was led by Georgia leaders because the infrastructure was already in place because Georgia wasn't on anybody's maps. There weren't any national campaign committees, the presidential campaign, the vice president, like they did not consider Georgia in play. Georgia wasn't in a swing state or a battleground state. And so they've invested and ignored accordingly. And so when the opportunity came to win back the Senate and people were like scrambling, like, Oh shit, I, excuse me. But like, I guess we got to get down to Georgia and build some stuff. And they got there and they were like, what? The New Georgia Project is knocking on 50,000 doors a day? How? Right? We didn't give them any money. They weren't on our list. How? Right? And so that's fun too. (laughs) That was super fun to be like, okay, I know that you were going to come down here with your superhero cape and save us grab a clipboard thank you
0: (laughs) you know i remember that and i just um this is why i'm so in awe of you and of new georgia project you know because a lot of people thought that was impossible i mean i felt it like in 2020 you know in the fall you know i had my eye on this race but a lot of people were kind of in this world this political world we we were watching it right so it didn't surprise me but it was a really electric time But now we're here. Right. And, you know, Warnock's term is going to be up. So he's running against Herschel Walker. Right. But so first of all, let me just ask you this question. I've always wanted to ask anyone who can answer this. Did they put Walker up to split the black vote? Yes. And because he's like super cool with that, obviously. Yeah, that's one of them. But I mean, like they could have found, you know, a million people who were super cool with Trump in Georgia. But. Herschel Walker specifically, you know, because you've got Warnock, who's so popular on the Democratic side. I don't know what they think. I mean, I guess I do know what they think. I'm still not ruling
1: out a third party candidate that is just secretly a Republican as they point to the obvious like cognitive deficiencies that we are watching with our own eyes and hearing with our own ears when it comes to Brother Walker.
0: If you look at the primary, he was running against, I think, a Libertarian and an Independent.
1: There were easily like six or seven candidates running in the Republican primary. And here's the deal. He won outright. He's not going to run out. He won the overwhelming majority of the Republican vote in the electorate. And so that's what the ticket is going to look like right now. Again, unless there's a credible third party candidate that decides that they want to get in and run. And I mean, there's so many machinations, so many calculations to be made, but it's a problem. I mean, I know that name recognition is really high, but I'm in awe. I am in awe of Republican voters, particularly evangelicals. Like to be able to hold that hypocrisy, it's something to behold. The idea that they espouse the rhetoric of, A faith-based politics that, like, thinks about the least of these and a public policy that is designed to benefit the most of us. And yet their political priorities and the candidates that they run and their rhetoric uh, is all filled with hate and violence. And I just, wow. And watching them figure out, like, how to square their anti-choice agenda to square away their pro-gun agenda and like pro-business at the expense of worker agenda and then also square that with their racism because he's still black (laughs) right right uh, right i want to watch their heads explode while they try to square that circle
0: i'm in awe too and i'm in awe because you can't listen to him, anything he says, any speech, any interview he gives and say he is the best candidate in any race for anything. (laughs) It's really easy to see that he's not. Right. I mean...
1: The man can literally not hold a single thought like or a thread of a thought through a conversation. It is remarkable to behold. And actually, like, I feel like so there are times where you see like reality stars or like, you know, social media models or whatever, just out here doing weird, wild stuff. And the question that I always ask myself is, where are her homegirls? And that's what every time Herschel Walker opens his mouth, that's my first question. Where are his homegirls? Does anybody not love this man? Like, how? Why would you subject him to that? It's not
0: cool. It's not okay. And it's it's really difficult to watch. It is hard to watch. You know, the only way you would put somebody at the top of the ticket, like Herschel Walker, or even Brian Kemp, you know, to be honest, is if you know or if you think that voter suppression is working in your favor. I mean, voter suppression in Georgia has been like this shadow voter, like with every ballot, it's like there. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And because we are aware of it, because we won't shut up about it, and because we're continuing to find ways to neutralize its impact, we walk around with these big targets on our back, right? There are tons of rhetoric about what we're doing and, and how we have stolen the vote. Like, the big lie is not some sort of victimless, like, rhetorical thing. Like, they are literally trying to, they're legislating around the big lie. Jody Heiss, when he ran in the Republican primary for secretary of state, like, ridiculed Raffensperger for refusing to participate and Trump's criminal conspiracy to steal a free and fair election, <laughs> right? And, and said, like, I would have found those 12,000 votes had it been me, right? Like, th- he said it, the quiet part out loud. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's where we are right now, right? And so I think that, you know, what that means for the Walker and Warnock race is that I would be shocked if they let him debate Warnock.
0: Didn't they have a primary debate and he, he didn't no. participate? No, they didn't have one? I guess not. They will never let Herschel
1: Walker and Raphael Warnock be on the same stage in the same room. We're talking about Morehouse educated, Ivy League educated, PhD, and like religious scholar. He's the third person to command Martin Luther King's pulpit since he was assassinated. So there's like Martin Luther King Jr., two other dudes, and Warnock. (laughs) 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 Right? Like, no, like they're just not going to let it happen. So what that also means is that to fill that void, They are going to spend an extraordinary amount of money creating and amplifying these disinformation campaigns, trying to poison the well from where voters get their information about the world around them. And we also need to be prepared for that.
0: You know, should we be paying attention to the judicial races in Georgia? Because I know that I think there was a special election sometime in May or this month, right? And, and I know that someone's retiring or their uh, term is set to expire sometime this year and Brian Kemp is going to appoint someone. Is that important at all to pay attention to? It
1: absolutely is important. It was also super important on May 24th because while we talk about May 24th as the primary election, it was actually the general election for a lot of judicial races. So the folks who won on Tuesday are on the bench now. And that is an important distinction to make, and we absolutely should be paying attention. I think that the quality of candidates that Kemp is appointing rivals the quality of judges that our disgraced former president, Donald Trump, has also appointed. I mean, you think about The judge that lifted the mask mandates is in her early 30s, never tried a case before and was just an active and involved member, big donor within the sort of conservative legal circles without hearing arguments from the government and the people challenging. It lifted the mask mandates for airports and for basically the entire country and without hearing arguments. This is a lifetime federal appointment to the federal bench that a Trump Republican was appointed to a person who not only has never served on any other bench, but hadn't argued cases in court before. It's disgusting.
0: So do you think that this could come up during the midterms if something goes before the court, goes before one of these people that's appointed by Kemp, and they make some, I don't know, some wild (laughs) judgment In relation to the outcome of the race. I mean, is that a possibility? Absolutely.
1: And in state and federal court, because you got camp appointees in state court and Trump appointees in the federal court.
0: So the midterms in Georgia is bigger than the gubernatorial race. It's bigger than the Senate race. It's these judicial races. There's probably some stuff on the ballot, too, that you want to pay attention to, like some initiatives, I would imagine.
1: So here's what we know about Georgia. We don't have citizen-initiated ballot initiatives. The only way to get any constitutional changes or things like that on the ballots is from the legislature, which right now, both chambers are controlled by Republicans. And so any of the uh, measures that, that folks have tried to push through the legislature just die on the floor which is also why we're prioritizing flipping the balance of power, not only in Congress or hanging on and, and widening the base of accountable leaders that we get elected, but we're also trying to flip power or flip the balance of power in the Georgia state legislature as well.
0: Okay, so one final question. Do you think that Georgia is a harbinger for other states which have like similar demographics, right? Like Mississippi is one they I always think of. Um, is there a new Mississippi project or any other southern state? Oh, there's no doubt in my
1: mind. I mean, we're in deep community and relationship with folks who are doing very similar things to what we're doing in their home states. But I mean, I think that you never go wrong with people power, that if you're building the broadest possible vehicle that can take like your community's ambitions and like a set of agreements, a set of principles and some things that you want to throw down and fight for like it is possible right a higher minimum wage is possible listen they're building two new nuclear power plants in georgia and there haven't been any new nuclear power plants built anywhere in the u.s in 30 years like there's so many opportunities across the deep south and i think a lot of it is because of how long it's been ignored. And so people have had to get creative in their organizing. They've had to get creative in their campaigning in order to see any kind of victories, and more importantly, in order to hold the line, right? You see what happens when the politics of white supremacy goes unchecked. Ohio legislators passed a bill criminalizing doctors if they don't attempt to re-implant ectopic pregnancies those are pregnancies that sort of grow outside of like the womb and if you don't as a doctor try to re-implant the pregnancy like back in the uterus then you are considered like aiding and abetting abortion and you could face criminal penalties. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And so I think that people across the South, a multiracial coalition of folks across the South have been holding the line for a very long time and have a lot to teach the rest of the country about resistance and about building a broad, resilient coalition that's designed to get progressive victories.
0: Wait, sorry. Doesn't that put the woman's life at risk trying to do that? I mean, is that even medically? I don't know. I mean,
1: listen, yes, but so does banning abortion altogether. And they don't care about that. Ohio bill orders doctors to re-implant ectopic pregnancy or face abortion murder charges.
0: Wow. That is incredible. It's almost unbelievable. So, you know, all hands need to be on deck for this fight. So, how can people get involved in New Georgia Project?
1: Follow us at New Georgia Project and at newgeorgiaproject.org. I think that this is the time for those of you, even if you don't live in Georgia, like we are needing support in all of the ways. I think that there are ways for people to volunteer virtually. There are people to, ways for people to give virtually. We're looking for content creators and people who can help us talk about the opportunities with voting and registering the vote and with young people in cool and new and different and interesting ways um, that I really, when we talk about people power, it's not just some alliteration, like it's really how we have won, how we got to this point and how we're going to get on the other side of this. So join us.
0: Yes. Join them. Follow Georgia Project on Twitter, on social media. Give them all the help. Give them all the things. Yay. Thank you. And say, Ufa, thank you so much for everything you've done, all of your work. I will take you up on that. I'll try to do something. I don't know. Create content, do something for you anyway.
1: Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care.